Welcome to Mind Unmute, a podcast show where I, a curious Malaysian in the US, dive into some sticky subjects and discuss my fun observations and how to talk about topics that some may stare clear of. My name is Aaron Thaddeus, and in this inaugural episode, we untangle the knots surrounding natural hair. All that goes into maintaining it, wearing it, and most importantly, why are there so many stigmas and judgments around people who choose to let their hair down in the US? Joining me for today's conversation is a very good friend of mine who actually inspired this episode through a number of conversations we've shared over the last few years about her experience going natural. To give you a little background, she's the current president of one of the largest chapters of the American Marketing Association, where she's spearheaded multiple programs for students, industry mentors, and has successfully functioned 100% virtual as a very active chapter. When she's not serving as Madam President, she's the Senior Medical Informatics Analyst for PRA Health Sciences. She also has a very rich background in all things marketing, PR, event planning, and program development, and once even found herself pursuing a career in cosmetology. She has a fantastic sense of humor and is a joy to be around. And now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Misty Wilson. I want to start with saying thank you so much for joining this, Misty. I really appreciate you um, giving us some time to jump on the show together. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think to start off this episode, I want to ask Misty to help us define what is natural hair and what does it mean to go natural? So that's a great question. So natural hair is exactly what it sounds like. It's hair that has not been chemically treated or manipulated in any way. It's hair as it naturally grows out of your head. But to black culture, natural hair means something a little bit different. It is, in fact, hair that is growing naturally out of your head that has not been chemically treated, although sometimes some people color it um, and still consider it natural hair. But it means something a lot deeper because traditionally in our society, black Americans have not been allowed to have natural hair because it wasn't quote unquote European enough. It didn't lay flat necessarily. It wasn't in, you know, styled in a European fashion that's deemed pretty or acceptable in mainstream white corporate America. And because of that, there is a natural hair movement over the last decade or so that has allowed a new level of freedom that we haven't experienced ever before. Now, there was some time, I think, in the probably back in the 70s, where you started seeing like a lot of afros and things like that because they were cool. But then again, by the time it hit the 80s, that really died down. And all of a sudden, it wasn't cool to have natural hair anymore. So we've seen this big cultural shift where now it's not only cool to have natural hair, but it's acceptable. We are still seeing a lot of issues with corporate America accepting our natural hair. But it has become so much of a force and a movement now where black culture is becoming this movement in and of itself, where black Americans are feeling much more confident in being their authentic selves than they've ever been before. And I think that that is a really beautiful thing. But because of that, there's so much of our culture and and our, our history that's wrapped up within the movement that is natural hair. 
And I think that that's something that's important to understand as we unpack what being quote unquote natural means. It sounds like there's a there's a positive shift in how many other people are deciding to show up and and go natural. When did you decide to go natural and and what was that like for you? (laughs) So that's another really great question. So I had wanted to go natural for a really long time. And I told myself when I was a little girl that one day when I was older, I would go natural. And the older I got, the more anxious I got about it because there were all these stereotypes surrounding, even within black culture, there were all these stereotypes surrounding being natural. There was a negativity around it. There was this idea that it wasn't pretty, it wasn't feminine, it wasn't acceptable, it wasn't, um, it just wasn't something that you should do if you wanted to be a professional And of course, that's it's heartbreaking to hear. But that's true, again, even within the black culture. And so I said, for whatever reason, I don't know why I chose this age, but I said before I turned 30 that I was going to go natural. And sure enough, the week before my 30th birthday, I decided that I was going to keep this promise to myself and I was going to go natural. And so I remember going into my bathroom and calling one of my friends on FaceTime and I I had them on my iPad and they were like sitting there cheering me on on my iPad as I took strand by strand of my hair and cut it off with scissors myself and it was it was such a dramatic moment it was almost like something you see on TV because I was literally (laughs) just like cutting each little piece of my hair and just watching it fall onto the sink. (laughs) I feel like that on its own needs to be a scene in a movie. I feel like that is that hero shot of you coming out your skin and saying, hey, look, like I'm going to show up as me today. I like that. Sorry, go on. Yeah. But no, that's exactly what it was. It was the hero shot. It had like the the Rocky music in the background. It was like shedding my old skin and like everything that I'd ever been because it literally was taking this relaxed hair that had, you know, since I was four years old and the, the ideal of, of European beauty, of everything, of forcing myself to be something that I wasn't my whole entire life and cutting that off to unleash the curls of who I actually am. Like I had this very deep moment behind it that I think it has for most people who go natural. And so it really was like this epic, epic moment. And when you see it, like I took a picture of it, but when you see it like all piled up, this kind of like limp, straight, flat hair in the sink and then you look up at the at yourself at your reflection in the mirror and you see just like this life of curls and volume and just everything just this beautiful glowing mane although my hair is very very short at the time it was probably like an inch and a half maybe at this point Um, but it just automatically felt so much better but when I looked in the mirror, I didn't recognize myself. And that was very scary. I'd never, ever seen myself that way. Um, not, I hadn't even imagined myself in that way because I had no idea what my natural hair actually looked like before. And so I remember seeing myself and then immediately panicking and thinking, I, I'm glad that I did this 
but how do I proceed? Because my very next thought was, how do I go to work tomorrow? And again, it comes back to that very heartbreaking thought of that's not something that I should ever have to say because that's not something that other cultures have to deal with, right? Of cutting your hair and just into its natural form and then trying to figure out how you go to work tomorrow and keep your job, right? Like that was my concern is how do I show up like this tomorrow at work and not be ridiculed and keep my job? Like how do I present this authentic self as being quote unquote professional. So it was like this, this freeing moment, but then also this very scary moment. So at that time, you know, having all these emotions and fear and uncertainty of how you're going to be perceived or accepted in a, in a professional setting, did you have, or did you know anyone else in your close circles or friends or family that was able to help you understand what to expect or what to do as you approached these um, environments like work and stuff like that for you? No, and I wish that I had it. So I was one of the first ones that that decided of the people that I know that decided that I was going to go natural. And because of that, I had all of these misconceptions of what it would be like. And I also had this this glamorized version of what it would be like too. And I didn't think about the after effects of how I would deal with work or how I would even do my hair. Like there was it was almost like there was no foresight into it <laughs> because I hadn't thought that far. Like I just knew that I wanted to go natural and I knew how to make it happen, but I didn't think it all the way through. And so, no, there was no one there that could help with that. But I do remember that night um, playing with, like, just a bunch of scarves and ribbons in my hair and things like that, trying to make it, like, cute. And the next morning, I did my hair the best I could with, like, the products that I had because I didn't have any, you know, quote-unquote natural hair care products. So I did my hair the best I could. And then I wrapped a scarf around it in what I thought was like the cutest fashion and I went to work and I remember being extremely meek and timid that morning and it's completely opposite of who I am as you know but I remember being super super timid going into work and I got off the elevator and I made a beeline for the only black women who I knew at work that were on my floor And I went straight to their desks. And as soon as I even got within their periphery, they jumped up and started cheering for me and shouting and talking about how beautiful my hair was. And it's almost like they knew how scared I was in that moment. And before I could even talk about my fear or even get to them, they were already supporting me and giving me exactly what I needed. And that was sort of the start of what I would come to realize is the beauty of being in this natural hair sort of a movement is this this undying support for one another that you have and neither one of them were natural at the point but they were both thinking about going natural and so just that moment I'll never forget that moment because that moment was such a beautiful moment and it was a it was a moment that really defined 
the rest of my natural hair journey and making me feel confident because they were so excited because they thought it was beautiful and because they were the first people to react to my new hair that really meant so much and it meant that I could then be confident in the decision that I had made as well. I can't even find words to describe how that must have felt for you but and also like you mentioned just how influential that must have been to the people around you from the moment that you went natural was there a trend that you set you know in getting people f- to feel less worried or scared about going natural I think that I really wanted to talk about it as much as I could particularly around the struggles because that's something that I never knew about like I never knew it was going to be hard to have natural hair. I don't know why, but it's like everything that I was being exposed to prior to actually going natural said that natural hair was going to be easy and natural hair was going to free up so much of my time because I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, relaxing my hair. I wouldn't have to worry about wrapping my hair up at night and I wouldn't have to worry about any of these things. And in all actuality, it is infinitely more work to have natural hair. But I didn't know that because they don't talk about that. They don't tell you that they being society. And so I took it upon myself to really talk about the struggles that I was going through so that, one, I was breaking the misconception that natural hair was easy, but two, to allow other people around me who went natural or who were natural by that point to feel comfortable talking about their struggles too. And more importantly, to form communities so that we could swap ideas and share these stories of what we were trying or, or, you know, what we were experiencing and to see if, you know, anybody had any tips or tricks or solutions. So I think that's an amazing segue to talk about wash day. So I know that it's a conversation that we've had in the past, um, but I had absolutely no idea what went into wash day and, and, and again, you know, just going natural. Maybe let's start with what is wash day? <laughs> so wash day, I feel like I can write a book on wash day. And the reason is because I literally just had a conversation earlier this week that lasted for three hours with one of my very close friends over Zoom, and we were simply talking about wash day. (laughs) Because wash day is something that every natural woman can talk about and commiserate over. It is literally a whole day. Like You can't just wash your hair and be done with it. So it kind of reminds me of... um, like maybe like an old teen movie from, from the eighties or nineties when there's like a, a girl, a teenage girl who doesn't want to go out with a guy. And so she makes the excuse, Oh, I've got to wash my hair. And in reality, it's like always some, you know, white girl who it's going to take maybe an hour max to wash her hair, but that gets her out of the date. Right. <laughs> so for, for any natural girl, like it's literally a full day, like you can't do anything else. <laughs> so it sounds like, it sounds like wash day made you have to think about your dates in advance and, and essentially say, Hey, look, if I'm seeing you on Saturday, I'm going to be getting ready for you on Friday. So that means... <laughs> <laughs> just out of curiosity, how did that impact um, not just your dating life, but also, you know, with these with these very lengthy routines, how did it impact your everyday life? Yeah. So you you really I mean, it's not even just planning dates around wash day. It's planning your entire week 
Like every single thing that goes into your week, you have to plan around it. So for example, like I am president of AMA, but I also have a full-time job and, you know, I am a part of a lot of, um, national committees where I do DEI work and all of these things. And so I'm on camera a lot. And so it is a very rare occasion where I have a day, like a full day, where I do not have to be on camera at all, which means I have to plan every single week or week and a half or two weeks if I don't have a protective hairstyle in, I have to plan that entire week around my wash day (laughs) so that I can make sure that I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to be anywhere and I don't have to be on camera that entire time because what goes into my wash day to give you some context and detail. So I first have to make sure my hair is unbraided or down if it was in a protective style. And then I need to wet it somewhat like kind of I guess kind of like a dampen it not necessarily wet it and then I need to put in a conditioner and then massage that conditioner and kind of finger detangle the best I can depending on how dry it is how long you know my hair has been up or, or whatever the condition is there and then I can actually go get in the shower after about an hour or so of letting it sit on my hair. So I go get in the shower and then I have to, before I get my hair wet, before anything else happens, I have to section my hair into quarters. And so when you section it into quarters, you then have to take each quarter and you have to twist it up and then put a clip in it so that it doesn't get tangled and it doesn't, um, you know, get, get, washed away into another section or anything like that. Like it has to stay completely separated. So then once you have your quarters up, you, and this granted, I'm going to give a big disclaimer here, right? Because this is how I do my wash day. Every woman's wash day is completely different. So this is just how I do mine. So (laughs) once my hair is up in quarters and then take one quarter of it down And then I rinse out the conditioner that was initially in there and start finger detangling again. The reason there's so, there's going to be so much detangling in this story because every single time water hits my hair, it tangles every single time. If the wind blows, it will tangle my hair. Like everything (laughs) tangles my hair. So finger detangle first. Finger detangle because your fingers can obviously work through your uh, larger sections of your hair and also stop at knots. And I say knots, not like knots like, um, like other textures of hair might get, but like actual, like you need to bring scissors into the shower with you so you can cut them out because that's the only way they're coming out. And it also mats. Like come like like almost like when you're creating um, like dreadlocks. Yeah. How those are like big mats. My hair does that all by itself, completely unintentionally. Wow. <laughs> so you ha- also have to like be able to maneuver it and work all of that out. Then you can go in. Now you're on the same section of hair, right? So then you can go in with more of a wide tooth comb. Then you can go in with a slightly smaller comb. And all of this is while being under direct hot water. You can't do it not under direct hot water. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So you have to be 
still under direct hot water. And then after that, you can start trying to take a brush through it. Now at this point, you're probably going to need to get more conditioner, otherwise the brush isn't gonna go through. And I say that because I have officially been natural for three years, and here's a big surprise. I'm very excited about it, y'all. So my first time in three years actually getting a brush through my head was this past weekend. And I am really, really excited about it. <laughs> How did it go? I feel like it was like this this win, like this victory that's now happened. And I'm like, yeah. Now if I can just recreate this in another wash day. Wow. <laughs> but so but that's how I did it ultimately is is that process I just took you through. And every wash day I have is different because I'm always trying different techniques for what can be the fastest thing. Because everything I've just described to you isn't even me washing my hair. That's simply detangling one quarter of a section one time. Then I have to wash it with actual shampoo in just that one section. Now it has to be washed with shampoo at least two times. I usually do three times depending on if I use a clarifying shampoo or not. Now that's three times, two to three times with two to three different types of shampoo for different purposes. Then I have to rinse that out again, detangling, going back through that same exact detangling strategy that I did before with the, you know, the different combs and the finger detangling and the brushing and all that. Then I have to put a conditioner on it. Then I have to twist it up and then I have to do all the exact same things for the other three quarters. So you can imagine in the shower, just like standing there in the shower, which ultimately is going to get cold within about 30 minutes or so. So normally I'm in the shower in like ice cold water for a solid two hours, like just standing there in ice cold water doing this because I have to be under direct water and doing it upside down in the sink would obviously be preferable, but extremely messy and very likely to cause more tangles because I have to flip my head around when I'm in the sink. I mean, clearly I can understand why you had a three-hour call with your friend talking about wash day just because <laughs> there's so many aspects to it and the fact that each person has a different approach. So with all that being said, you know, in, in terms of the time that goes into it, in terms of how much water goes into it, the energy that goes into it, products that you use, I mean, again, you know, just thinking about how sustainable it is, like how is it that not many people know about this or how come this is not, an industry on its own like are there people out there that are innovating and you know creating services around wash day or is that not even a thing you know that's a good question so i feel like it is a thing but it's a little bit more underground simply because black america is not the majority and anything essentially anything that's not um, white America, rather, is, is othered. Like, it's very othered. And I'm saying that in, in air quotes because white America is certainly not the majority, but there is a culture in our society that says that it is. And if it's not something that they have to deal with, then it's not something that deserves attention. And so there is this very broad and becoming more broad every day underground society of 
natural hair and natural hair care and natural hair care products. And so for anybody who wants to, at this point, you know, since it's been going on for, for about a decade or so, anybody who wants to learn more about natural hair or any of these processes that I've talked about, like wash J or the big chop and the big chop refers to what I did, like going in front of the, the mirror with some scissors and cutting off all of my relaxed hair. Like that is called the big chop. Um, Anyone who wants to learn any of these things can simply go to YouTube at this point and, you know, type that in and, and there's going to be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of videos that come up talking about all of these things. But most people don't know about it because most people don't have to think about it because it's not their experience. It's not their culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess this might lead us into, you know, talking about our next segment just around the stigmas and larger cultural contexts around this topic. So something I distinctly remember, you know, having not grown around black people and black culture, I remember this movie scene, you know, specifically where there was this lady who's in a, in a large crowd of people. Uh, I can't remember what happened, but something happens that makes her, her, her wig fall off. And she has this terrified look on her face. She almost feels ashamed and kind of like scurries out of the scene. That somehow stuck in my head. And I was like, why is it that seeing their natural hair makes them feel ashamed, I guess? Could you tell me what does that scene really mean in movies? Again, I mean, we're talking about movies in the 80s and 90s, you know? Yeah. So I think there's, I mean, there could be lots of things that that, that, that scene is really depicting. And... I think it probably boils down to one of two scenarios. So one, it could be that when her wig came off, her hair underneath wasn't done or it wasn't neat or it wasn't kept up or, or something like that. Or two, it could be that she was trying to, um, you know, present her wig as her hair. So a lot of people who wear wigs, myself included, um, don't like to go around promoting that they're wearing a wig, right? So like a lot of times you want people, you want your wig to blend in as if it is your hair. The goal of wearing a wig, unless it's like a costume wig, is to be that it blends in like it's your hair. So you want people to think that it's your hair, not that it's a wig. And so it could be, you know, that she was... Uh, she was found out, you know, she was found out that it wasn't her hair, right. that she had been, you know, portraying it as hers and all of a sudden it's not. And so now she's embarrassed. And to my first point, and I laugh because I am very, very guilty of this. So in talking about hair day or wash day, when sometimes you do have to go out or you do have to do an interview or you do have to see people or be presentable in some form or fashion in the middle of wash day. So what do you do? And there has been so many occasions where something will pop up and I'll need to be in public, but I can't go in the middle of wash day, right? Like I can't go with a shower cap on my head. So what I'll do is I will put a shower cap on my head for like some sort of deep conditioning treatment or something like that. And then maybe I will put like a wig cap over top of that to like really flatten it down to my head. And then maybe I'll put a wig on top of that. And then I will go out and do whatever it is that I need to do completely 
intentionally, but with my hair underneath being completely undone. And in fact, completely like wet, soaked with conditioner. Maybe it's like (laughs) dripping down my face or something, which has definitely (laughs) happened before. (laughs) Like under this wig, that's totally happened. So, you know, it could be a situation where that was her hair, right? Right. Like she was doing something to it. She was, you know, in the middle of doing something. She needed to go out. She needed to do whatever. In any case, her hair just wasn't presentable. Like she didn't want to present her hair in that way. And then, you know, her wig comes off and now you know, her hair is being presented in this way that she didn't want to. And I think anybody, regardless of if, you know, they have, they wear wigs or they're wearing a protective style or regardless of their, their race or ethnicity, I think they can all identify with that, right? Like you don't want people to see you when you're not at your best or in a way that you didn't intend to be perceived, yeah. right? Like if you are doing something very personal or like you're not, ready to be seen and somebody sees you in this vulnerable capacity in which you thought that you were alone, like everyone would be embarrassed of that situation. Yeah, no, I I definitely can resonate with that. I mean, um, one of the things that happens in Malaysia is people show up at your house uh, unannounced and and they're like, hey, I'm here, let's hang out. And, you know, (laughs) you could be, you know, either half dressed, undressed or or just not prepared to, to have guests over. You know, you just throw something on or, you know, for me, for example, you know, if I'm not if I haven't shaved my head that day and and it kind of looks a little scruffy, you know, I could wear a cap. But, yeah, I can definitely imagine, you know, being caught off guard or not wanting to be presented in a certain way, but then having a situation that presents you in a way that you didn't want someone else to see um, could be, you know, could be um, unwanted, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that could be. A really embarrassing situation. Like, I'm just imagining if somebody had, you know, spotted me all the times where I went out with conditioner on my head and then a wig on top of that. Like, if somebody had spotted, you know, this perfectly dry hair on top, but, like, something just running down my face with, like, conditioner in it. And they're like, what is happening? (laughs) Like, that would be super awkward. And I wouldn't want to explain to people, oh, yeah, like, I'm actually conditioning my real hair under here right now. So. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. It makes me think about this. And, and this is something that I, I had noticed when I first moved here. And you actually brought it up. So, you know, you mentioned the shower cap on, on uh, you know, or someone wearing a shower cap. I have never seen someone wearing a shower cap outside of the shower. Um, when I first moved here it was the first time I've seen, you know, people, uh, specifically black people, walk out uh, and do stuff like, you know, in the supermarket or whatever, and they have a shower cap on. I mean, the first time I saw that, I was very intrigued. I was curious. I was like, is this normal? Is this, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, this is the first time I'm seeing that. Tell me more about that, because that, to me, the shower cap seems like it's not something you wear outside, but in in the black community, um, is that something that's normal? And, and how do you feel comfortable walking outside with a shower cap on? Yeah, so here's the thing. So every black person knows another black person that has went out with a shower cap on. And most black women have went out in some fashion where their hair was not all the way done. Now, maybe they've like covered it up with a scarf, but maybe they haven't. And when you see people out with shower caps on, they simply haven't covered it up. 
But like I've been out again plenty of times with shower caps on, but I've just covered it up with like a wig on top or a scarf or a turban or something like that. Um, because I personally am not comfortable just walking around with a shower cap on, but that doesn't mean that it's not hidden under <laughs> what I'm wearing because sometimes it's like, it's just a necessity. Like you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, anytime I've seen another person do it, I know exactly what they're going through. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a hair store or not, but most of the people in a hair store have their hair in some sort of unfixed capacity, whether it is you know, like in rollers or it's half in rollers or it's in a shower cap or, you know, one half of it is blonde, the other half is black or, you know, one half is braided, the other half is is in a ponytail. Like there's always some something and everybody just understands. It's, it's almost like a cultural thing where everybody understands, oh, you're in the middle of doing something to your yeah. hair. Like hair is just so central to everything that we do right. because it has to be, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's the same thing about planning around wash day. Well, that same concept goes for activities that you might be doing. So even when I was not natural and I had my hair relaxed, I couldn't just go swimming wherever I wanted to. That had to be planned for. Because you can't go swimming for the first two weeks after you relax your hair. And even then, you can't even get your hair wet for the first week after you relax your hair. And so when you're natural, there's a lot of things that you can't do too. Like you don't want to wash your hair and then go swimming two days later. And then you have to wash your hair again because we can't wash our hair nearly as frequently as, as other cultures can. So you really have to plan your activities around it too. Like you don't necessarily want to work out extra super hard where your, your, your hair is getting like very, very sweaty because there's nothing that you're going to be able to do about that for multiple days at a time. Um, and so you really have to plan your activities out. You have to plan your, your schedule around wash day, like everything centers around your hair and what is going on with your hair as to what you can do with the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, that brings me to another question I had around just how accessible products are for women who go natural and how readily available is that for women who go natural versus people who, who are white or who have naturally straight hair to, you know, just walk into a store and pick up those products that they're looking for. I'll start this part of it by just saying representation matters. And what I mean when I say that is I very rarely can walk into any drugstore and find things that are meant for me as a woman of color. Like very rarely can I walk into a drugstore. Let's say I need makeup for whatever reason, you know, and I walk into a drugstore very rarely Are there any type of variety that are in black or brown shades that I can actually pick up something that is going to fit me makeup wise? And the same thing goes for hair care products. You know, there might be, thinking specifically about a time where I was dyeing my hair, there might be 10 different brands of hair color that are specifically meant for white women. And maybe there's equally 10 different brands for black women. But a CVS or a Walgreens is going to have 
all the brands for white women, and maybe if I'm lucky, one brand for black women, maybe. And in the event that they have any natural hair care products, there will only be a tiny, tiny sliver, like maybe one tenth of the shelf dedicated towards all other races that are not white in terms of hair care. Like it is very, very, very rare that you can find anything for yourself in a drugstore, whereas white people can find whatever they need. It's always available. It's always there because they have the privilege of being the dominant culture in society. So no matter where they go, everything is for them. But that's not the case for black women. I really appreciate you sharing all this. I think this is time for our lightning round. So I think just to break things up a little bit, we have a lightning round that you get to pick five numbers between one and 45. And you pick five random numbers and we want to get to know you a little more based on these uh, questions that we have that are kind of like uh, this or that questions. So let's jump into these and just get to know Misty a little better. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Okay. Um, do I just pick one number or do I pick one number a bunch of times? Um, you pick one number and then I'll read out the question and then, and then we'll move on to the next one. Okay. Um, 16. 16. All right. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Oh, Instagram. Instagram. I like Instagram, too. I don't think I've... I I was telling our producer, Nate, that I don't think I've ever had a Twitter account. (laughs) I was forced into a Twitter account in 08 by one of my professors, and I still have it. I don't use it, but I still have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you were on Twitter, you would be able to talk to our producer, Nate, who uh, swears by Twitter. So uh, let's pick another number. Let's go 22. 22. Man, 22 is my favorite number because on the 22nd of April is my birthday. (laughs) Yay! All right, mountains (laughs) or ocean? Ocean, all day. Man, alright, salty baby. Um, alright, let's pick another one. <laughs> four. So in, it's funny in Malaysia, four is like bad luck, because uh, four I think in Cantonese means die. But <gasps> let's oh. let's see let's see what we have for number four. We have emojis or gifts. Oh, I'm gonna say gifts simply because. They express more. They express so much more than an emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Man, um, what's your next number? Seven. All right, so number seven is city or countryside? Oh, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say city, but I do enjoy (laughs) a quick trip out into the country. And here's why. Because I spent exactly half of my life in the city and half in the country. And so I live in the city, but I do have country roots and I do enjoy going out to the country every so often. I love that. I love that. Maybe on our next podcast, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear you with, uh, with your country accent. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have one of those. (laughs) And let's do the last number. Um, 40. 40. 
man. I don't know if I ever want to see that time. Uh, <laughs> uh, 40. All right. Mac, PC, or Linux? Oh, Mac. Hands Mac. down. Mac, everything, all day, every day. There you go. I feel like we should have insert here, um, sponsor for the show. <laughs> um, right, right in that moment. <laughs> right in that moment, we should. we should say sponsored by Apple. Uh, well said by Misty. <laughs> So for our final segment, uh, it's called Leave It All on the Table. For this segment, we'd like to ask you if you would like to share any final thoughts, pieces of advice, or wisdom related to natural hair. Oh, that's a good question. So my pieces of advice would be don't overthink it and it's okay to change your mind. And I say that because it is a really big decision. It's a decision that is going to require work every single day, as long as you have natural hair. It is a beautiful thing, but I think if there's one thing that I want black women to know, it's that your hair is beautiful no matter what form it takes. And regardless of if you decide to be natural or you decide not to be, you will be just as beautiful either way and no one can ever take that away from you. That is so true and I and I really hope that this episode inspires people to uh, approach the question or approach the topic with more respect and I also hope that people who are listening who are thinking of going natural would get the courage to live their life and, and, and identify in, in the ways they want to be identified as. So with that being said, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show. Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about hustle culture and how it's become toxic in the US. You are here with Misty Wilson and I am Aaron Thaddeus and I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Aaron. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Misty Wilson and what it really means to go natural. I also hope this episode has provided you with some new perspectives, insights, and education around going natural. I know I am in admiration for people who stand up for their self-identity. If you have another question that we didn't cover, or even if you'd like to share a comment or anecdote about your own experience, I invite you to share those with me at conversations at mindunmute.com. Thank you so much for listening and please join me again for more unmuted conversations.